It's that time once again, Go Chuck Yourself listeners. A season of Go Chuck Yourself has yet again come to an end. Or, well, it's about to, actually. We have one more episode that's coming up right now. Uh, This is the season two recap on Go Chuck Yourself. We're going to be talking about everything season two, looking at the big picture, looking at the small picture, mainly the big picture. We're also going to be looking at the DVD bonus features that are included in the season two DVD box set. Uh, that I particularly own. I will be doing a full-blown presentation on that. And we also have a few other surprises up our sleeves here at Go Chuck Yourself. So we thank you again for, you know, listening this whole season. It's really been great. Uh, Aaron and I have had a lot of fun and I am looking forward to the next season. We are going to be taking a break, though. So make sure that you, you know, you get down our contact info to follow us on Twitter at Go Chuck Podcast. And also make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I know we have a lot of subscribers already, but it's always great to get some more. And also you don't want to miss out on any other special episodes that could be coming out before the break's over. Wink, wink. So make sure you like and subscribe. And also if you want to take some time now that the season's done to write a review, really reflect back on the season, just as we will be doing in this episode, that would be fantastic. We'd love to hear from you and we'll see you soon. Now, here we go. Here we are. Here at Go Chuck Yourself. That's right. It's the season two finale episode we finally did it no more of those deleted scenes nonsense we were with the the rest of the season two dvd bonus features and our ultimate discussion of season two of chuck which we have completed by the way in case you didn't hear my name is chris gillespie my name is Aaron arata and welcome to our very very special season finale we are glad that you are joining us we hope all is well uh so we're gonna get right down to business right now uh we have a very special visual only gag uh for all of you audio listeners out there in the spirit of the finale as a little bit of a celebration but also as a way of uh channeling chuck and ellie in uh chuck versus the ring which was the season two a proper season finale something that chuck and ellie do in that episode is drink champagne directly from the bottle so aaron and i thought it would be fun to also drink champagne directly from the bottle aaron would you like to kick us off Yeah, I want to point out here that Chris has already opened his champagne. I bought my champagne last week, but I said I'm going to save it for the episode. But I guess Chris couldn't wait. I I also bought my champagne last week and also... But you opened it already. I opened it like 15 minutes ago. Okay, so um, I am going to be opening my champagne live on air. I'm not sure if the microphone is going to pick it up, but you will probably hear me shriek. Um, We did discover that this is a twist top champagne, which I don't understand because I've only ever had it with a cork in it. Um, I'm very tentative about cork champagne, but twist top champagne is uncharted territory. So um, I may die live on air. And Chris, if I do die, I would like you to post this episode anyway, because I think it will be really funny. Don't mourn me. Just post the episode. Fair enough. I will make that happen in five Four. Oh, don't count down. Oh, no countdown. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. Don't point it towards my face, you said? Do not point it towards your face. I'm trying to do it with a paper towel over it, but that's not... I, it's really hard. 
Like, my hand is just sliding on it. This is why I'm glad you didn't count down. And off to a great start here on our season finale. I don't... Should I, like, do I, uh... What can you use that's, like, grippy? (laughs) I don't have, like, one of those things. Um... If uh, you're listening to this, make sure you tweet at us with an answer to the question, what can you use that is grippy? Please let us know. Use the hashtag, it's grippy. It's grippy to rock around to rock around. To rock around, that's right on time. It's grippy. I hope this is like really good. Grippy, grippy, This is really funny to everyone. I don't know. This is hurting my hand. Maybe if I use like a dish towel. Yeah, that's usually a pretty good idea. I can't believe this is backfiring so hard. This is why I opened my bottle before, See, so in case something went wrong. <laughs> okay. All this right. is the most go check yourself celebration of go check yourself that I've I've ever seen. Cannot think of a better idea. I think this is very funny. It's aggravating too because I can watch you do this, but there's literally nothing I can do to help. <laughs> no, like if I, I was there, home. I might be able I to help. Like but... Ask anyone. Is this like the kind of thing that like I could run under hot water and it would work? Yeah, probably. Ah, God, this really hurts. Or I could do the thing where you, like, hit it with a knife. You can hit it with a knife. Oh, I don't don't think this is a good idea. (laughs) Okay, all right, we're gonna... We've run it under hot water, we've got a dish towel, and we've hit it with a knife. Did you hear that? Was that it? No, but I could pretend it was. I think I'm just gonna shatter the top of this bottle off. Sometimes, when you twist, you know, you just gotta. What if you take like this your sleeve and put your sleeve over your hand and use that kind of as the grip? Okay, let's try that. It's just like not giving at all. Well, it's almost uh, not to tell too much about the. Um, the time that we're recording, but it is almost Thanksgiving. So if all else fails, I could just have this with my parents at Thanksgiving and not waste it on go chug yourself. I guess okay. so. I do have I do have one last uh, Hail Mary that I could use here. So let's see if that works. All right, we're going for the Hail Mary, everyone. Anyone who's still listening to this, <laughs> this um, podcast about a woman trying to open a bottle. <laughs> all right. This I is just, what we've become. I just ripped this out of my cabinet. It's a um, like oh, grippy wow. that you put under. So yeah, this is the last. Ow! I just uh, grated my finger on a cheese grater. <laughs> this is so funny. All right. All right. All right. Okay, here we go. In five, four, I mean, three, it's open. two, <laughs> what? It's open? Yeah, it was just a twist top. There was no pop. Oh. But you did it. I Cheers. did it. I opened it. This so okay. This grippy stuff really worked. I'll I'll put that back together later. But okay, are we, are we ready to take our first uh sip of well, my first, you're like, I don't know how uh, Also first, I have not touched it. Just because I opened the bottle before we started recording, which turned out to be a great idea. Thanks for pointing out. How long has it been? Six minutes? <laughs> okay, I am uh, I am returned to my recording space with my open bottle of champagne, and I am ready to take a sip. And here's our toast to season two. Cheers! Ah, delicious. Ah, yep, that is champagne right there. That is, uh, 
$8 champagne that I bought at the store. Mine was uh, $4.99. Oh, wow. Good for you. Uh, I, I like channeling my inner Ellie. I feel like uh, now I'm going to go to work tomorrow and instead of uh, my normal work, it's going to be at a hospital and I'm going to be performing surgery and doing other important things. I feel like Chuck's level of stress walking around Ellie's wedding as it's falling apart while drinking champagne is similar <laughs> to the level, of I, the level of stress that I had watching you struggle to open a bottle. I want you to our- know that I took, um, all I've had today is a teaspoon of elderberry syrup, which I take every day to uh, improve my immune system, and sure. a smoothie. So I took one sip and I feel this already. All right, awesome. We're off to the races. I know this is something that all of our listeners have been weighted with bated breath for. I have finally watched Chuck versus the Third Dimension, the 3D version. <gasps> uh, and what did you think? Uh, it was so just to recap, I we watched Chuck versus the Third Dimension uh, earlier this season. I was griping because I was wearing 3D glasses for part of it. Realized that the episode itself was not in 3D, so then uh, we spent a lot of that episode crapping on it for being in, not in being in 3D, and then come to find out that the DVD box set does have the 3D version of the episode, but was on a later disc, which I did not know about. So uh, to make up for that, I went back and rewatched the 3D version with 3D glasses. Uh, how do I feel about that is the question. I feel tired. <laughs> My eyes are fatigued. Did it actually work, though? Was it in 3D? It was in 3D. Um, it, the, it worked surprisingly well. I was not expecting like sometimes there were genuine moments. Where I'm like, this is a 3D thing that I'm watching right now. OK, um, it's not like IMAX 3D because okay, it's yeah. it's 3D quality that they can put 3D glasses into a DVD box set and then also <laughs> broadcast on TV. So it's like old 3D, like the red and blue okay, kind yeah. of glasses. Um, I I will say that I I admire the ambition of doing a 3D episode, um, even if it was kind of gratuitous. But I also respect that they have, you know, they were working with the Super Bowl and the Super mm-hmm. Bowl commercials were using these glasses. Um, there's also a lot of references to football in the episode, which makes sense if it's tied into the Super Bowl. Are there? So, yeah, because you have Mr. Butter, Mr. Butterman. Oh, yeah, that is. OK, that is. So there's um, all these football competition things going on. I remembered a lot of the stuff that we from the first time that we watched it. So I kind of enjoyed watching it for that reason. Or I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I remember these jokes or the things that we talked about in relation to it. Like dangerous the dan- women on the dance from floor. The dance yeah. floor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a nice little mid-season standalone episode that deals with Chuck's frustration with being in the spy world in mm-hmm. kind of this interesting way with the rock star stuff and everything. So I was prepared to alter my scooter scale score of it but then i went back to the official scooter scale records and looked it up and i gave the episode a 3.5 okay and what i wanted to give the new episode or the new version of the episode was also 3.5 <laughs> so i guess i am just sticking with 3.5 with okay. it and cool. um some of it like i said was really cool like it looked legit um but the issue is that unlike a imax 3d movie or like a higher quality 3d movie so let's take, for example, a 3D movie that we all know and love, Muppet Vision 3D at oh, yeah, yeah. MGM in Disney World. That's only like five minutes long or 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. That's how long 3D movies should be. And yeah. that's like high quality 3D. This mm-hmm. was 44 minutes of wearing 3D glasses. So when I took my 3D glasses 
off afterwards, I was like, wow, I am really having a difficult time like looking at electronic screens right now. <laughs> I think I need to lay down. So I think it was kind of, you know, good good on them for for going for it. Maybe the execution not as great, but also I don't know how you could have executed it any better. So that's my that's my two cents. Please do not make me watch the 3D episode ever again. <laughs> they don't do that again, do they? I don't think so. Okay. I hope not. <laughs> they learned from um, their, what much like us, learning from trying to open champagne on the air. They learned that it's a it's a cool idea, but um, hard to execute. Yes. So, and then, cool. Yeah, I, uh, moving from that into... Uh, the other DVD bonus features that come with season season two, um, there is the video behind the scenes kind of uh, I don't know what you what you want to call it a video retrospective yes. called Dude in Distress, which okay. is a behind the scenes look at a lot of the big stunts from this season. Who is the dude? Why they never do they ever use dude in the show? I guess not. I think the dude in distress is probably Chuck. I, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna try to workshop that title. I feel like they could have done better. Well, this, I don't think it was perhaps named by the Chuck creative team because I think there okay. was a third party that handles the DVD bonus features. Interesting. Called Monkey Monkey Dwa. I Mon- think it was called Monkey Dwa. Yeah. Cool. So. Also, the the title card of Dude in Distress is the shot from T- Chuck versus Tom Sawyer where the, when the elevator shuts in the uh, Atari headquarters and there's the explosion. Yes. And like the elevator like bumps out because of the explosion. Yeah. So it's that shot. And then after the elevator bumps out, flaming text appears that says Dude in Distress for Great. a moment. Okay. So, you know, it's questionable, but the content itself was actually pretty interesting. They talked to um all the all the stars all the the big chuck names so you got zachary levi you got yvonne you got uh adam baldwin and then also josh Schwartz and chris fedak um but they also talked to the stunt coordinator whose name is Merritt yanka oh cool who is really interesting guy he won an emmy for his work on chuck yeah i remember for- that yeah, the stunt where Chuck and Casey jump out of the hotel balcony and land yes. in the swimming pool. I do remember that, too. Yeah. So they talk about different stunts um, and how the actors feel about them, kind of. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Zachary Levi and Yvonne enjoy doing their own stunts. I, mm-hmm. they, Yvonne said that's one of her favorite parts of doing Chuck was getting to do mostly all of her own stunts. But they do have stunt people that do come in and handle some of the more extreme ones. Uh, it was kind of interesting seeing how all of that stuff comes together. Like one, they kind of broke down some of the big, some certain scenes to get, uh, to show you how the process works. Okay. So they looked at the, the fight scene with Nicole Richie mm-hmm. in the locker room. Was she in this? She was in this. Yes. Oh, cool. And her quote was, <laughs> she says, I don't really work out. I kind of have that lazy thing going on. Ah, we can all relate to that. <laughs> but that's not a valid excuse for not working out. Like, oh, do you work out? No, I have that. I'm just really busy with that lazy thing that I have. <laughs> I don't know. I use that as, a, as an excuse all the time. <laughs> but they actually, what they do is they plot out 
um, kind of like the cinematography of the scene with stunt doubles beforehand and like fight experts to get the shots and figure out what angles they want ahead of mm-hmm. time and to what what moves work and in, in the set and everything. And then they I think depending on the scene, like if Nicole Richie is the focus of the shot, then they'll have the Sarah stunt double in there fighting okay. her because mm-hmm. it's just the back of her head. But yep. then reverse if they're shooting uh, Sarah then they're going to have a Nicole Richie stunt double mm-hmm. and they talk about um, Yvonne was saying that she has a background in dance. So mm-hmm. a lot of times she thinks of the fighting as being akin to dance and that you right. have the choreography and the routine. Mm-hmm. And that's how she she thinks of it. They talked about the scene in Chuck versus the ring where the commandos repel in from the skylight in the wedding to fight mm-hmm. uh, Rourke. Apparently the set did not have a skylight that wasn't real so they had to build this rig in this wedding venue kind of set that they were able to it was only like probably like 12 feet high maybe not even Mm -hmm. and they would lower the commandos like casey and everyone down and that would be the shot of that but then afterwards they went to the studio and they had a big green screen rig with the skylight and then they took a shot of stunt people coming down through the skylight and then put that over you know, they tweak the green screen and put in the sky, put in the rest of the wedding venue, whatever. And when you splice it together, it looks like they are bursting in from the ceiling down into that room. That's really cool. I, I, it makes me wish that I had any way of accessing this this uh, short. Hey, it might be online somewhere. Yeah, pr- you're probably right. They also talk about how, you know, in Chuck versus the ring, and I guess other gunfights, when you see people shooting things and the the scenery and the different things in the set are like, billowing or look like they're getting hit with mm-hmm. bullets they apparently use like a paintball gun something okay. similar to a paintball gun they yeah. have like the stunt professional doing it and shooting okay. the different things to get mm-hmm. that effect um yeah that's really interesting it really makes you like appreciate how much work like obviously we know how much work like the actors are doing the directors are doing and etc cetera, etc cetera. but like so much work goes into a show like this any show but this show specifically like action sequences and everything like that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. They also had, they talked briefly. They didn't talk about it as much as I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. But in the season opener, when Chuck is dangling from the roof by his feet and he gets dropped. Yeah, with Mr. Colt. And then Casey catches him on the fire escape. Mm-hmm. But he still drops like, I guess they they filmed that somehow with like a, a stunt double that they dropped. Oh my God. You know, 15 feet and somehow yeah. somebody caught them. I don't know exactly how they pulled it off, but it was it was a stunt. So that's really cool. I would yeah. have I would have thought that that was not practical. So that's really, yeah, th- really cool. to I th- know. I think a lot of the effects more often than not, the impression that I get from this this little video was that a lot of the effects are practical. And a lot of the times, like the actual cast is involved. in. That's the, really cool. I um, think that yeah. really um, adds something like uh, I know that the show was like being filmed and produced like a little while ago so maybe like cg was not as possible and not as prevalent but i think that um i've definitely like appreciate i appreciate seeing practical things i think it's cool so i'm i'm excited that one of us got to see how how they did that <laughs> just like our practical effects of drinking the champagne straight from the bottle these are not cgi bottles everyone you can rest <laughs> assured that we are working on these bottles in real time and you know what? I think I'm going to be able to finish this. Oh, my God. I, we'll see I how it goes. I don't think you want to hear me finishing a bottle of champagne. 
I've taken like five sips and I'm I'm ready. Mine oh, is you're actually, almost done too. You're gonna finish it too. I am not almost done. You are. Look at it. It's full. <laughs> you got down past the neck though already. It was already it's a smaller there. bottle than mine. <laughs> Um, it, mine. I have to actually give you full disclosure that mine is actually Prosecco. All right, everyone. I guess you can turn the podcast off. <laughs> this stupid podcast. You're like, hey, the hosts are going to drink champagne on air. No, oh, it's surprise, it's Prosecco. I like Prosecco better. The show's done. I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, bye, Chris. I'll, I'll do the rest on my own. <laughs> yeah, good luck talking about the DVD bonus features without me. <laughs> So um, there was another bonus feature called, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> it's called, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's called. I just, um, I opened my uh, thing about the season two uh, bonus features and a, a review of season two, and it was The Mandalorian on Disney Plus Now. That's Free- not what the show is about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just wanted Don't to talk. Pass. I just really want to talk about The Mandalorian. Well, I don't care. That's not has, what we're doing right now. It has baby don't Yoda say it. in it. God damn it. I knew you were going to say it. I told you not to say it. I'm sorry. No. Anyhow. So are, also, there more, are there more bonus features? Yes, there are more bonus okay, features. Okay, great. Truth Spies and Regular Guys. That was the one I was going to name. Exploring the Mythology of Chuck. Okay. You have two parts. You have the Secret Agents and then you have the Agent Secrets. So in the Secret Agent clip package the actors and the creators talk about major players major characters involved in the spy world and just kind of discussing them a little bit sort of using the same footage from dude in distress like the little talking head blurbs you know they're sitting in director's chairs in front of green screens or on the set or what have you okay go on (laughs) so some takeaways that i had from that uh zachary levi at one point says that he views chuck a lot of times as the straight man in buy more scenes. Okay. But then Chuck is the fall guy in the spy scenes. These are terms that I hear very often and I have never understood what, like I just kind of fake my way through those conversations. So I think this context has really explained to me what, what those things mean. Is, do you want me to explain them to you? Is that what you're asking or no? Well, like, so I always thought like when people say the straight man, I was like, oh, so like the heterosexual man. But nope. I understand. So there's like the the weird guys and then there's like the straight man. But so mm-hmm. like uh, agent, whatever. I haven't seen Men in Black, but like the the one who isn't Will Smith. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. I was going to say Daniel Day-Lewis, but that would have been a very different movie. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is the straight man in that situation, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So the opposite of straight man is fall guy? Yep. I don't don't understand that. Because fall guy, that's like like the guy who like takes the shit. Okay, I guess it makes sense. Um, I think of fall guy as like, you know, like you're going to like put the blame on him. So I guess you're like kind of putting the blame of like the the high drinks on the fall guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind okay. of. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, so great. This has been uh, Chris explains things to Aaron. I didn't really explain it. You just explained it to yourself. Okay, great. Uh, well, I'm smarter than I think I am. Adam Baldwin said that he compares Chuck to Casey's annoying little brother. That's kind of how he views the relationship, which I thought was kind of cute. That's yeah, nice. I think that's adorable. Uh creator josh schwartz said that he views sarah's character as finding fulfillment in being part of chuck's world just as much as chuck finds fulfillment by being a part of sarah's spy world like they both want to 
uh, exist in each other's worlds, which I think is true. And then he also added that he thinks that it's incredibly important to have viewers emotionally invested in Chuck's journey, that like that's what the whole show is about. Like if you're not emotionally invested, then the rest of it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So I think that's valid. And then <laughs> Zachary Levi was talking about the face that Chuck makes when he flashes, the so-called flash face. Yes. So I tried to bring this up in an interesting information segment, and I, I, I feel looking back on that that I really bombed on explaining this. So please explain this better. Please make up for my mistakes. Well, I will not explain it. I will just use Zachary Levi's words. You heard it from him. He's the actor. He said that he made this choice during the pilot and has thus had to commit to this choice throughout the rest of the show but he says that the he views the flash face as nausea meets constipation oh okay cool um those are not the uh terms that i would have that's not exactly what i would have thought that he was inspired by but i think that's much better than what i thought he was inspired (laughs) by so great um chris you've experienced those two things at the same time do you think it's accurate (laughs) <laughs> nausea meets constipation yeah yeah i would think i think it's pretty accurate yeah okay cool i'll give it a thumbs up so then we move on to the agent secrets and that's kind of where all those folks talk about the uh i guess like settings and just other miscellaneous spy things so they talk about the intersect a little bit they talk about castle they talk about fulcrum uh pretty i thought it was interesting i don't have much to report on this but i think the one thing that i honed in on was Chris Fedak talking about how he thinks that it's better that the Wienerlicious and the Orange Orange are unpopular places that people don't really want to eat at okay. because that furthers the cover for why no one is there. I guess they're they're thinking that they should have a dead restaurant so that it's easier to maintain the cover and also so Sarah doesn't have to work. But that makes me kind of question, like, I think he's just insulting the integrity of Scooter yeah. Because Scooter's working hard to make sure that the Wiener Listers is an establishment that families and individual adults want alike want to eat at, you know? Yeah, I think um I think you're absolutely right. I think it's also kind of interesting because I would have to do more research on this. I'm not really prepared for uh saying what I'm about to say, but I feel like the frozen yogurt craze really hit around like 2012. That is a um, bold claim. <laughs> That's well, because I'm I'm solely basing this off of my hometown had nothing and it got a Froyo place in around from 2012 to around like maybe 2013, 2014. Like it did not last very long, but it was Mm -hmm. there. And I'm remembering like maybe our first or second year of college was when I really started like noticing like prevalence of Froyo things. So I think it's interesting. Like in. 2009, I don't know if, like, maybe in L.A. I I wasn't in L.A., obviously, at this time, so I can't say for sure. But, like, it's interesting to think that, like, because there was a time when a Froyo place would be really popular. Like, right. Um, and, like, maybe this was a little bit ahead of its time. Because I know, like, a show like The Good Place kind of makes fun of the Froyo craze of, like, there's all these Froyo places. And it's like, nobody really wants that anymore because it's not, like, the time when it was hot. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, a good point. I always I remember watching Chuck when it was on air thinking that Froyo must be a California craze. Yeah, or like a so trend. that's also entirely possible. Because I was like, oh, it's it's warm in California. So yeah. it would make sense that year round you would go to a and frozen it's like yogurt kind place. of I mean, it's like promoted as a kind of healthier uh, alternative. 
especially like the kind where you like, I don't know. I feel like when I, when we first started Emerson and we would go to places like Pinkberry, like Mm -hmm. it kind of seemed like, oh, I'm getting like yogurt. Like I would get like the tart flavor and it wouldn't be as sweet as regular ice cream. And then I would put like fruit on it. So I feel like it definitely seems like the kind of thing that could have been like first started in California. I don't know if that's true. Sorry. Sorry, state of California. Please don't kick me out. Um, But yeah, I think I think that's interesting to think about of like there probably was a time that the orange orange would have been like bustling. Mm -hmm. But I don't like the Wienerlicious. I don't know if it ever would have like maybe that's coming in 2020. Like we're almost there. Maybe like the hot dogs will be or the corn dogs will be a uh, hot thing i've never really noticed like places having corn dogs like i went to a pumpkin patch a couple weekends ago and it uh it had corn dogs so that's probably more time than we've ever spent than thinking about the actual frozen yogurt industry yep. yes it's <laughs> yeah we're gonna i'm gonna thing. research it i'm gonna write an essay on it now yeah. i'm gonna make millions of dollars definitely i don't know if you understand how how much like writing essays pays people but you should go for it and definitely report back i think everyone would like to hear it great uh, austin film no- festival i'm gonna go next year with a with an essay a video essay about frozen yogurt the idea for the next project that you're about to see was conceived while the uh creator was drinking champagne while hosting her podcast enjoy <laughs> frozen yogurt it would, i'm sure it wouldn't be the first one so Elsewhere in the DVD box set, here's a non-video bonus feature. They include a Chuck comic book. That's a little mini comic book that is a, I guess, an excerpt, basically, from the the comic book series that DC put out about Wait, Chuck. Wait, okay, so this is a comic book on the DVD? Well, it's just in the case, the DVD oh, okay, case. Okay. Yeah, it's just a little... The, the champagne um, is hitting thing. me. I'm sorry if you explained that better. Okay, this idea goes from bad to being worse by the second. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just kind of a little comic book. I guess what they did was that in 2009, Wildstorm Comics had put out a six-issue arc about Chuck and yes. everything. That uh, I know about. Which I tried to find online, and it is apparently very rare now. It, you can't really buy it. Oh, we have to get it. I know. It would and be then sell it and make a lot of money. So, in the excerpt that they include in the dvd box set it's kind of strange it starts with chuck having a dream where his life is like gilligan's island and he's gilligan of and- course the uh very uh prominent and popular reference i'm not saying that gilligan's island is not popular but i don't think that i personally would understand i mean i guess i don't understand anything but like that's not I- where i would start when i was thinking of chuck I think American culture is ready for a gritty reboot of Gilligan's Island. Oh, I'm sure it's coming to the CW. We should spearhead it. So he has this dream where he's Gilligan's Island. Uh, Big Mike is the skipper. And then other characters are, I think, like Casey's the professor or something like that. But there's they find a bomb and Chuck detonates this bomb and then he wakes up and he it's this whole analogy for Chuck feeling like he's trapped in his life. Okay. Meanwhile, Casey is fighting some fulcrum guy on the monorail at Disneyland. That's that they re- cool. That they refer to as Disneyland. Aaron is, I guess, wearing a Disneyland sweatshirt right now. <laughs> I was so excited before when you were talking about Muppet Vision 3D, and this is even better. So, uh, and then what happens in the comic is that Chuck, Sarah, and Casey all have to go to the secret government facility 
like this high security prison where all of the villains from season one and season two are being held. So they have to go in there. Like Mr. Colt is there? Presumably they don't show him, but they show um, La Ciudad. Oh, cool. Yeah. The guy from Chuck versus the truth. The guy that was like the the gymnast with the truth serum. And he's called the city. Well, she. Yeah. La Ciudad. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry. Anyhow, they uh, they end up the bad guys escaping from their cells. Spoiler alert. And Chuck and Sarah need to escape the prison. And then they find out that Fulcrum has their own intersect. So they need to go to Japan. Cool. And that's where the comic book leaves off. But I guess if you actually have the actual comic book series, you see them go to Japan and South America and different places. So that I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense in that, like, those things might be hard to film. Like, it would be hard to get the characters to Japan or something that looked like Japan would be like. So it's it's cool that. And it would be obviously hard to get to the characters to the monorail, like fighting on the monorail at Disneyland. Like, it's cool that they use mm. this, like, drawn medium to do things that the show couldn't, as opposed to just setting it, like, entirely in the Orange or Inter Castle or something that they already have. That's pretty cool. Seems yeah. like they reached for the stars. They did. I'm kind of bummed that I didn't know about the comic book back in the day. I would have liked to read that. But yeah, maybe you would have sometime in the future. lost yourself over that. <laughs> lost myself not even <laughs> lost my mind i would have lost my entire being into the comic book you would have like in the page master you would have been sucked into whoa uh, am i in gilligan's island or <laughs> I'm here? am i in truck right now or am i at disneyland i think we should talk about our gritty reboot after this episode is over i think that's a pretty good idea sounds good there's only approximately uh 45 more bonus features to go through great oh no, okay. there's only, hold on, hold on, there's only hold on. four i have an idea Gilligan okay. this time, it's a woman. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah! Write that down, write that down. Another bonus feature that we have is Chuck versus the Webisodes, which is a series of informational, low-budget, intentionally cheesy employee training videos. I think these originally aired online. They're kind of standalone little excerpts from the Bymore primarily that don't involve... It's just basically the Bymore team. You don't really have Chuck or Sarah or anything like that. I think Casey's like the biggest one that appears. Okay. But so and each of the videos follow a different topic or a different theme. So in buy more video number seven, that's called customer service. Lester sees a beautiful woman and rushes to help her at the nerd her desk. Turns out that she's a star of the adult entertainment industry and needs help recovering personal photos. Lester finds them easily on her computer, but is stunned by the content. So he calls Jeff and Anna over. Eventually, Big Mike comes over and says, what I tell you about watching porno on the sales floor before seeing the customer's photos and getting bashful and turning away. Needless to say, the Buy More just lost a customer. Cool. In Buy More number 14, entitled Work Ethic, Emmett talks about Did you Jeff- watch 14 of these? No, there's only f- uh, five of them, but they have oh, different okay. numbers. Okay, cool. And... The do- they're shot in documentary style by this Australian documentary film director who appears occasionally. Who's See, not really like, given a name. Cool. Okay. I could just be making this up, and you'd have no idea if I was telling the truth or not. Yeah, you really, you really could. I thought there was one where like Anna shows her like prowess at um, kung fu and whatnot. That was in the season one. Oh, bonus okay. Feature. So this is season two. This is season two that we're doing right now. Yes. <laughs> yes, Aaron. Thank you. Uh, buy more number 14 work ethic Emmett talks about Jeff to the filmmaker while Jeff walks around in his underpants drinking at 6am 
Jeff finds his pants and puts them on. Emmett asks what he's doing there and then says to no one in particular, God, he's ugly. <laughs> okay. Buy more number 15, employee health. The Australian director interviews Casey about how Casey has virtually eliminated shoplifting from the store. Casey, while eating an apple, shares some crime fighting tips with him, mainly that he has a three strike policy. As Casey refers to a thief looking to steal a DVD behind his back, Casey goes over the, uh, I guess, the nature of the three strikes. The first strike, he gives shoplifters a verbal warning. The second strike, he gives them a written warning. And then as Casey begins to say what strike three is, Casey turns around and whips the apple that he's eating at the shoplifter's head, knocking him unconscious. That's cool. Um, great. Okay. Buy more number 17, leadership. Big Mike brings Morgan into his office, saying that Morgan is in trouble. Morgan asks what this is about, and uh, Morgan tosses out some possible suggestions for what he could be in trouble for. But Big Mike says that Morgan is here because they need to discuss some important business. Sex. He then calls Anna into the room, and Morgan is, <laughs> Morgan no, is uncomfortable. No, 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 I don't want to hear this. Big Mike says that as a manager, it has come to his attention that Morgan and Anna are enjoying a relationship of an intimate nature. Anna and Morgan brush this off, but then Big Mike says that he has video evidence from the home theater room. No! Anna asks if she's in trouble, and Big Mike says of course she's not, and then tells Anna, quote, it's her own business if she wants to give it up to this clown, end quote, and points to Morgan. Big Mike says that there's nothing wrong with a man and woman enjoying each other's carnal company in the workplace, but asks them to keep the real heavy stuff on the down low next time. Then Big Mike gives them a group hug, and Morgan and Anna awkwardly thank him. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Chuck. Season 2 bonus features for giving us that. Buy, Buy more number 24, youth marketing. A bunch of dorky preteen boys come out of the home theater room and demand Morgan give them their money back because they didn't think the alleged dirty movie that Morgan showed them was dirty enough. Morgan tries to brush this off and admits that uh, what he gave them was a good deal. But the teens say that it wasn't worth $5 since they can find porn online, specifically naked pictures of Morgan's mom. The main teen threatens to beat up Morgan but then Morgan threatens to tell the main teen's girlfriend that he once caught this kid trying to steal a Hannah Montana CD, to which all of the follower teens laugh and uh, the lead teen relents and refers to Morgan as, quote, teen wolf before leading all of the other teenagers out of the store. Are, are all these male teens? Yes. OK. Do you think they're the same teens that were uh, ogling Sarah before? I do not think so. These teens looked slightly malicious. OK, cool. These were uh, some malicious deeds. So that is the entirety of Chuck versus the webisodes. Cool. Well, thank you for uh, almost all of them did not make me want to crawl into a hole. (laughs) Uh, And then real quickly, we have other weird little kind of side features. Cool. John Casey presents. Do you have what it takes to be a deadly spy? I don't. And this is just a quick 1970s style informational video. Oh, that's cool where Casey addresses the camera and it's kind of edited and shot like it's a James Bond 70s kind of thing. It kind of gives us some comical insight into Casey's backstory in life. Another very quick segment that we have is a real life Captain Awesome colon tips for being awesome. And this is similar to Casey's. Do you want to be a deadly spy or do you have what it takes? It's just Devin addressing the camera, giving tips 
for how to be an awesome person. Very kind of strange things. He kind of has a lot of different. Does he tips. talk about dating two girls and giving them different kisses? He does not. Okay. But he suggests that when you go on a first date, you should come up with a cool nickname and consider going shirtless. If you go on to a, a high first date. Yes. Okay. If you go to a high school reunion, you should consider bringing a 12 pack of abs to impress everyone. But if you can't do that, you should bring a 12 pack of beer or wine coolers. Okay. When you run into an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend on the street, you should subtly suggest to your ex that you haven't flown commercial in years. And instead of saying goodbye, you should say wheels up. (laughs) Okay. And if you're going to a job interview, try jogging there. It gets the blood pumping and shows that you are not afraid to jog. And nothing conveys enthusiasm like a light sheen of sweat. I don't know about that. So that is how you become awesome. Folks at home, jog to job interviews, wear, don't wear a shirt on first dates. And uh, I think these bonus features are making Devin seem way worse than he actually is. Like, yeah, yeah, that was kind of the impression that I got as well. I mean, it's like it's interesting because I feel like. I don't know, I feel like they're kind of going for that a little bit. I like that it's relegated to bonus features because then I don't have to see it because I really like like I think. Ryan plays it as like, I don't know. He's like, he's got a heart of gold. He's just like, kind of like a little golden retriever. But Mm. I'm, yeah, I'm happy that I didn't have to see that because I feel like I really like what Devin actually is on the show. Mm -hmm. And I do not really like the the bonus features you've told me about, the deleted scenes you've told me about. I like what he actually is. So keep it that way, Chuck. (laughs) I... The Devin bonus feature and a little bit lesser so the Casey bonus feature, it just kind of they had different tones of like different voices for the characters that you don't mm. usually see in the show. Okay. And I feel like it kind of worked a little bit in the Casey one because it shows a little bit more personality. But yeah. with the Devin one, it just felt like it was written by someone who didn't really know the character that well or was trying to be funny in a way that I feel like Captain Awesome is kind of because I feel like the the whole idea of Captain Awesome in the first episode or the first few episodes, like, oh, my sister has this perfect boyfriend. Is, isn't yeah. obnoxious how perfect he is. But very quickly, it's like, no, he's pretty like down to earth and he's pretty human and yeah. normal. And so yeah, I think like it was the only to... the only example I can think of of him being like kind of broy is like his friends, mm-hmm. which is like kind of a type of person, I feel like. So I don't know. I I like him. I think he's great. And then. Last but certainly not least, we have the good old blooper reel, which is entitled Chuck versus the Chuckles. Ha 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 ha. So obviously I cannot recount a blooper reel to you, but it's a blooper reel. The blooper reel starts with a modified version of the intro sequence, which swaps out each actor's title cards with a goofy looking freeze frame of them from the season. Great. Which is cute. Pretty funny. Uh, we see the actors flubbing lines, and then we also get to hear a few words get bleeped out, if you know what I mean. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's not going to fly at 8 p.m. on NBC. No, it's not. We also see some certain scenes where the actors really struggled to hit their marks. Uh, Vic Sahe really struggled with the line when he's talking to Jeff about auditioning for Ellie and Awesome's wedding as Jeffster. Uh, when he's talking about that, if they don't audition for the wedding, that he's going to die alone of autoerotic asphyxiation. In the hotel <laughs> yeah, I room. imagine that would be hard to <laughs> get out with a straight face. <laughs> it was difficult for him. And then also another scene that took a lot of takes was when the Burbank Bymore gang breaks into the Beverly Hills Bymore to uh, rough things up a little mm-hmm. bit. 
Tony Hale as Emmett struggles to knock over that row of displays that he knocks over mm-hmm. when he hits a baseball bat. So there's a lot of scenes of him just hitting the cardboard cutout of the guy that's in front of the shelves and then none of the shelves move. Oh, it's just like so, me trying to open a bottle of champagne. Yeah, it was just like that. I'm just like Tony Hale. I've thought that for years and I've never had the words to communicate it. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. And then the blooper reel concludes with a highlight reel of some of the best kisses from the season as well as some of the best fight scenes are chuck and casey on the best kisses they are the the last one they're the the big finale oh, that, well, of, it. That, of course that's the best one and speaking of big finales it's time to move into our final superlatives for ah! the season so uh we're just going to run through some of our favorites and some of our least favorites of the entire season Get a little bit of perspective, a little bit of a bird's eye view, if you will. I think I'd like to start with a small superlative, but one that I think is important because music plays a big role in Chuck. Mm -hmm. So, Aaron, what was your favorite use of music in season two? I know that I've talked a lot of big game about my uh, fan being a fan of Frightened Rabbit. Um, I definitely any time Frightened Rabbit is featured in an episode of Chuck, um, I think is wonderful. But I'm going to have to say that I think the use of signs by Black Party was really important to me. I think that the use of that song stands out to me as one of the um, really good moments. I think that um, I believe this was in a scene with uh, showing some emotion on Sarah's part. And I think that it was really interesting to see... um, kind of like the melancholy nature of the song mixed with kind of like some some positive emotions in Chuck um because obviously with a lot of Sarah's scenes they're kind of happy because we get like she's she's experiencing love for a civilian but they're kind of sad because she doesn't really know how to parse that and we don't really know like it's kind of a will they won't they relationship so I thought that this Use was really good. I also think that the song is really good and it has really like rekindled my love of this song and that I after rewatching this episode, I added it to a playlist and I listened to it like probably every day, every other day, like since watching this episode. So I would say uh, that's the standout of this season. We'll see next season. I feel like there's a lot of Frightened Rabbit in season three, so I'm, I'm probably going to name that if we do this again. But that's where I'm going for right now. Wonderful. Signs by Block Party, of course, featured in uh, episode 16, Chuck versus the Lethal Weapon. Yes. Um, I told Chris before we began this episode that I was absolutely positive what song he was going to pick. So I'm going to see if I'm right. Okay, Aaron, what song did I pick then? Uh, The Talking Heads one. Oh, no. No, you didn't? Okay. No, I had to go with Tom Sawyer. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Well, you love Tom Sawyer. I can't I I fell in love with the sequence the first time I watched Chuck and this time is this time watching it now I was equally impressed with the Tom Sawyer sequence it's a song that I cannot divorce from like I feel like the the Chuck use of Tom Sawyer is now just how I envision the song and how I will always envision the song modern I feel day like warrior it was an- mean mean stride today's Tom Sawyer mean mean pride it says it all uh but I did want to give a silver medal to Talking Heads once in a lifetime in Chuck versus the I Suburbs. I was so sure that you were going to pick that. I'm sorry that I was wrong, but I'm I'm kind of right because you gave it a yeah. You were super medal. close. 
Also, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you that this is going to be like the Olympics and that you need to pick a yeah. gold, a silver, and a bronze medal. <laughs> I wish medal. that you did because I would have been ready. Uh, I will give my bronze medal to the Walk Like an Egyptian cover. Oh, yeah, you love that. The- <laughs> and I thought it was in a different language. <laughs> it's by the Papini sisters. Well, okay. It's the group. All right. And I guess it's technically the genre that it was in. I think I thought it was like some kind of alternative cover of it but it's really like a jazz cover that's I cool guess, according according to the website so. okay i'm going to continue to heavily promote the playlist on spotify truck versus the music by kate wilson um it has all of the songs i believe in order of when they were featured um that are featured in truck at least those that are on spotify which is most of them um so check that out if you don't already know about it and another segment that we do here at Go Chuck Yourself, one that we've done from the very beginning, and I imagine, I, I'm just going to put it out there, I think we're going to do it until the very end. It's Chuck, Mary, Kill. Where oh, yeah. We ident- identify something that we want to marry and something that we want to kill. Usually it is confined to but an episode, but this time we get to marry or kill something from the entire season. Hell yeah. So, Aaron, what would you like to marry? Well, okay. Um, last episode when we were talking about it, I was a little bit on the fence about what I wanted to marry. I think that I did enjoy this season as a whole, and there were a lot of things. Um, Jonathan Cake's performance, I would mention. Um, there were, you know, that's the only thing I would mention. Uh, there were a lot of things I liked about this season, but last episode we were talking, and it really drove home for me how much I loved one of my um, previous Marys. I'm going to say that my Mary for uh, the entirety of season two is Casey's wig in Truck vs. the X. <laughs> yes. I really, uh, I loved that wig. I think often about that wig. I think it was great. I know that I um, said I would marry it in our review of that episode, but uh, our marriage just stayed strong. We exchanged rings. We made vows. And I don't know. I I see a future for us. So Casey's wig, I think it was so good. It was like, it was brilliant. And I believe I mentioned in that episode that, like, I didn't even know that was Casey for like a good, like, minute. It's it's a really good wig. It's really funny. And it's also like convincing. So the wig. What about you? Yeah, Jill's parents once said that marriage is all about trust. And I can see that you trust that wig. I trust and that, that wig. wig trust you. <laughs> well, Thank you. <laughs> you should, for Halloween... Halloween is a ways off at this point, depending on when you're listening. But for Halloween for next year, you should dress as Casey dressed in that wig. Oh, my God. That's a, that's a good idea. No one will understand what it is, but it would be fantastic. Yeah, we will. well, if um, I we haven't actually brought this up on the show yet, but I did see on Instagram that Scott Krinsky was at the same Halloween event that I was at. I attended the hall, the West Hollywood Halloween party and Scott Krinsky um, posted his costume, which I think that I saw he was dressed as a grill with meat on it and I do think that I saw someone dressed as a grill there could have been two I don't want to say that I saw Scott Krinsky but like we did establish on um I I think it was the last episode that I just never know when I'm seeing celebrities because I've seen celebrities all the time so probably I saw him and I think if he saw me dressed as Casey in that wig maybe he'd know (laughs) he'd be like oh look at that dude and then just keep walking (laughs) He'd be like, nice wig. <laughs> nice wig, man. Um, so my Mary's going to make your Mary look real dumb, which I'm happy about. Right. I'm so excited. So 
My Mary is conceptual. Wow. It's maybe even philosophical. Wow, of course. But my Mary is that I want to marry the entirety of season two, specifically for the reason that it is better than season one. Great. Thanks. Do you have any more? Uh, do you want to elaborate on that? I would, Aaron. Thank you for being so interested in my point. <laughs> I was thinking about season one and I was I was reviewing season one and I was thinking about season two. And I think that season two just kind of took all of the winning elements of season one and they just really furthered it and made it better. Like, I feel like it's a fitting second season. Sometimes you get mm-hmm. in certain whether it's music or it's movies or TV or books or really any kind of entertainment. Or- you get the sophomore slump. Exactly. And sometimes it's never as good as the first time. But I feel like season two really was a increase over season one. And I think that is really telling of all the hard work that went into season two. And I think it's good for a show that gets better as time goes on. You're right. That does make me look dumb. But I love that wig. It's a good wig. It's a it's, it's a really great wig. I saw it in one of the in one of the bonus features. And I was like, yeah, there it is. There's Aaron's yeah, wig. It's really good. It's my... Thank you for calling it my wig. That's really nice. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, if you know about the IMDb keyword thing and you know how to edit the IMDb keywords of a particular episode, it'd be really important to Aaron if you went in and edited Chuck versus the X to include the key phrase Aaron's wig. I think Aaron's do wig. That. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. I'm going to look up Chuck versus the X and see if wig is on it already. I would, of course, love if it was Aaron's wig, but let's see. Also, I'd like to take this moment to thank our fan and listener, Sydney, for adding binoculars to the finale of Chuck season two. Yes, she did it. Yeah, that was wonderful. Thank you very much, Sydney. Um, Is it? Oh, it does. Okay. Um, Let's see if wig is in this. I'm not seeing it so far, but there are... 29 keywords for this one. Sheridan Universal Hotel is one of them. I've seen that one, actually. No, I don't see wig. So if you would like to add wig or Aaron's wig, then I would be uh, I would be forever in your debt. Let's make it happen, folks. Aaron's wig. Uh, Aaron, so this is a lot of positivity and love going on right now, but let's change that. What what would you like to kill (laughs) in season two? Um, this is going to come as no surprise. Um, I genuinely just couldn't think of anything that I disliked more about season two. Stripper scene in Chuck versus the Broken Heart. I did struggle to think of something else, maybe something conceptual like Chris, um, that would be a relevant kill. But considering I described this as the grossest thing I've ever seen on Chuck, I think that I just have to stand by this. I think that it was just like it really put a damper on that episode for me and it really put a damper on my as we just mentioned a marriage is about trust I feel like my trust of the show Chuck and how it portrays women how it portrays these types of scenes the kind of jokes it makes like it put a damper on that um so I really there's not something else that I would rather kill I think it's just this so I'm going to I'm going to stick with that. I um I know that you didn't do this, but I'm sticking with things that I previously married and previously killed. I'm not introducing anything new because I am forming a commitment, Chris. Marriage and death are a commitment. <laughs> yeah, you can't really phone in death. You got to really <laughs> lean into it. Yeah, great. <laughs> you see zombies walking around, you're like, "Oh, these guys what flakes." Yeah. They couldn't just 
Just die. Just commit yeah. to it. Nope. <laughs> uh, I'm inclined to agree with Aaron when I was thinking about, you know, what really stood out to me from the season. I think it's it's hard to to keep all of that stuff in mind when you're thinking about 22 episodes of television mm-hmm. all at once. That definitely came came to mind. We spent a lot of time talking about it uh, on our Broken Heart episode. I think we covered it pretty much as much as we could. I yeah. think it just it was a level of because usually we can I don't know sometimes we're like well this is in poor taste but maybe it's kind of like you know we kind of find a workaround for it or it's yeah like, or it's like of the it's, time it's like okay like we get it but like this was just like straight up like bad yeah and not justifiable so I would I would kill that as well I think that's the thing that could be erased from season two and it would be all for the better I think that Aside from Sarah, I think I think that Chuck as a in season two struggles with female characters in being able to show them as being well-rounded or developed. Yeah. Like, I feel like Ellie is never really developed as a character. A lot of times, like, Although, she's just kind of a, I will say that um, a lot of I, I don't know a lot of but I have seen reviews. I have seen some of our listeners comment on Ellie being a well-rounded character. Maybe just specifically for the time, maybe just specifically for the type of show. Like, I do think people latch on to Ellie as a um, well-rounded and developed character. I think Sarah is probably the most just because she's one of the main female characters. Mm-hmm. I think what we've seen so far, I think Ellie is... Um, most of her storyline relates to Chuck like we or, or to Devin. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't or see Morgan a lot of sometimes, yeah, or Morgan or her dad, <laughs> yeah. But I do think like she is pretty heavily featured, and she does definitely have a personality. So I can see why that's um better and more important to people than maybe someone like Anna or someone like uh some of the female guest star- guest stars like Nicole Richie or Trisha Helfer like don't have mm-hmm. as much to do. But it's most egregious with Anna when a lot of her role is as like kind of sexual punchline. Mm-hmm. And if and, you look at like the number of shows that each character appears in, like in a season, Anna yeah. is the only nerd herd person that appears less than like Jeff and Lester. She's not in the same amount of episodes. Yeah. So that's like disappointing. And I think that this scene just kind of like drove home, like some, some of it you could think um, like, I don't know. It's just, like the way that the episodes are divided or like it's of the time as it like I was saying before but like this scene really drove home that like there's not a lot of respect for female characters and there's not necessarily a safe space for female viewers um like you can see you see Sarah and potentially Ellie getting like support and getting screen time and everything but like Especially within within the buy more plots, it's a lot of jokes. Like a lot of the jokes are ostensibly about like just men being uh like aggressive or like incompetent. I think that's kind of what they're going for. But this scene really had no I couldn't really see any like even the scene about Jeff and Lester like interviewing the like 
attractive models and everything, which was really gross. Like, yeah, that's up there. That was bad. Yeah, it was bad. And uh, but I think like what they were maybe trying to go for is like Jeff and Lester are like incompetent people who are doing bad things. But this was just like straight up making fun of these women who are like uh, employed as like dancers and who are like not as um like they don't look they like, don't look like sarah is all is the punchline it's like hey isn't it funny that these women don't look like sarah yeah it's like that is their only fault they are just like they are just other women who aren't sarah and that's that's mm-hmm. the punchline and it's not making fun of the men it's not like wow look at these men who are so disappointed because these women look normal um so that it was it's just disappointing. It's really like the low point of the season for me. And it seems like mm-hmm. for you. So mm-hmm. um, I think I, it's I I agree with all this. I think it's also like I imagine that producing 22 episodes of television is probably a very daunting, mm-hmm. difficult task. So yeah. it's like if you slip up, it's understandable. And I'm sure there's a lot of intelligent people, both men and women behind the scenes at Chuck. And mm-hmm. like it, it's it is what it is. But it's just kind of. And like, is it possible to feasibly have well-rounded three-dimensional female characters in a 44 minute show, 22 episodes that's entitled Chuck and is specifically about a a male character and his journey in his life, like that he's the focus of, is it possible to give everyone that much real estate? I don't know. It may be, but um, yeah, I think it's just kind of left something to be desired, perhaps. Yes, it left, it left quite a lot to be desired for me. Yes. So um, <laughs> now what would you like to move into, Chris? So now I'd really like to take a look at a feature that's new for season two. It was the scooter scale we introduced at the beginning of season two, where mm-hmm. we rank all of the episodes zero to five corn dogs. And I wanted to ask you, Aaron, what would you give this season overall? So I'm going to go. Hold with- on. Just kidding. I already have that information. Let me show you what I've been working on. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are you going to do here? So Chris you'll has, see uh, here. started screen sharing. Oh, my God. I made so what, jokes about you doing this, but you actually did it. If you actually look. So, folks at home, I'm showing Aaron a graph that I compiled of our scooter scale rankings over the past season. Jesus. She did not know I was doing this. No, but I didn't. Aaron, if you look at this asterisk right here next to episode five, that's yep. when you first asked if I was recording all of these. And okay. uh, I, w- I was not at the time, but you gave me the idea to. <laughs> so since then, I have been putting together this graph. I am the red line and you are the blue line. And uh, yeah, you can see how you're doing. OK, so uh, what is my average here? So let me tell you a little bit of information about what you're looking at. So if you're looking at this graph, Aaron, maybe we can share this with the listeners so they can view it as well. You can send it to me afterwards. So interestingly enough, the average scooter scale ranking for both of us. Okay, so Aaron's average is 3.72 corn dogs over the entire season. Great. My average for the entire season is 3.71 corn dogs. That's really interesting. Yeah, because I seem to be staying in the three four range i don't i only dip into the like 2.5 range uh a few times but you seem to go way down and then way up you Mm -hmm. go much higher than me but also much lower than me yes i am erratic is the point of this graph (laughs) so you can also look at the median corn dogs that we have and this is the median being like what 
is the the middle number out of yes. all the numbers combined. So, Aaron, your median is 3.875. Okay. But then mine is four. Four corn dogs is my median. That makes sense. Okay. Well, I thought that I was being a lot more, um, well, I should say, a lot less discerning than you. I thought that four would be my average. So that's really interesting to know. Thank you for thank you for doing this. So, Aaron, your highest rated episode was Chuck versus the Dream Job, episode 19, mm-hmm. with a 4.75. Okay. Your lowest rated episode was episode 18 versus the Broken Heart, as we just discussed, with a 2.75. So, I really haven't gone that low. You have I not. Gotta, You've been very fair. I got to work on that in season three. I'm going to just be given zeros all around. My highest ranking was tied for both the season premiere and the season finale. So Chuck versus the first date and Chuck versus the ring. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was feeling very loving at the time. I gave mm-hmm. them both five corn dogs. Okay, so I think this might be um, a reasonable time to talk about our favorite episodes. Do you do you have favorite episodes highlighted? Do do they match up with your reviews? Uh, they do not match up with the reviews because I specifically wanted to find a favorite episode that I picked and not the not the data, not the information. I wanted to pick it myself. You know. Okay, is that is that okay to talk about now? I don't want to like interrupt the scooter scale. Um. Yeah, all I was going to say was that my lowest rated episode for season two was episode four, which was Chuck versus the Cougars. I gave it a two, which seems really harsh. But yeah, I guess that that's... does. I really like that episode, <laughs> especially because you only gave Chuck versus the Broken Heart, which you arguably hated <laughs> a two point seven five. No, I liked the episode. I just didn't like any of the B plot of the episode. Right. So, yeah. OK, what was your favorite episode? I actually have three. So keep your scooter scale open. Um, I don't have written down the number of the episodes, though. So you might have to do a little research to see my ratings on these. Sure. Uh, um, I really like Chuck versus the DeLorean, um, mainly because of the presence of Gary Cole, our our good friend, friend of the show, Gary Cole. Schnook. Schnook. I thought that that episode was very fun. I thought that it really established all of the characters. Like, I like, I mean, we were just talking about, like, giving female characters background and agency. And I think that um, although, like, technically, I guess they're doing this through the introduction of a male character. Like, I think this really gave a lot of interesting insight into Sarah um, and really was a Sarah-centric episode. Um, I also thought it was good. I thought that... You, we talked about in the last episode, um, the deleted scene of like Morgan, um, talking about like his existential crisis. But I think like even without that deleted scene, this B plot was kind of interesting. Like Morgan borrowing money from Devin, Morgan buying the car. Like I thought, th- I thought that was kind of interesting, and I really like this. I also have written down, uh, Chuck versus the Santa Claus, which I think, um, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a um. Good episode. I think mainly what I liked about it was the ending, um, the like interesting conflict that was introduced with Sarah um, shooting the uh, fulcrum agent. And then um, I'm just going to, this is probably going to come as no surprise, but Chuck versus the Beefcake, or um, in, in some instances, Chuck versus the Aqua Velva, which I actually heard referenced on an episode of Frasier recently, so that was pretty exciting. Um, not Chuck wasn't referenced on Frasier. Aqua Velva was referenced on Frasier. Um, I really liked the character of Cole. I liked the dynamic that he added to the show and added with Sarah. And I think that um, I I generally enjoyed this episode. So I don't know if my uh, ratings align with what I just said, but when I was looking at a list of season um, episodes of the season, I thought these are my three highlights. 
Kind of. I mean, you're you kind of just go up and then you go down and then up and down. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint what you were much like feeling. in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I I like all of that. That was good to hear. I guess highlights for me. I put down my favorite episode as being Chuck versus Santa Claus. OK, so we have that in common. Yeah, I think the I really loved the season premiere, Chuck versus the first date, but yes. I didn't want to be boring and just go with that. But yeah, same. I think Chuck versus the Santa Claus, I feel like is just a good 44 minutes of television. Mm-hmm. Like if, I think it's just written really well. And I think it is not only a good episode of Chuck, but it's just like objectively good. I just think it's well structured and yes. it's interesting and the performances are good. And even though it's a Christmas episode, it doesn't really feel corny. And we talked about this before, but it's like Christmas, but not cheesy in a way that's nice and makes it kind of more special. Uh, other highlights for me, I liked Chuck versus the Suburbs was also a good oh, yeah, one. That was I was definitely liked, a good one. I like that one. And then, of course, Chuck versus Tom Sawyer. Um, my yeah, of course. Corn dog rating does not reflect that, but that is a, a staple for me of uh, just being a fun thing that I like. What was your least favorite episode? So with the exception of Chuck versus the Broken Heart, which I did record just for um, just as referencing my kill, um, I think that that has to be referenced as a low point. Most of the episodes I highlighted were things that I had just forgotten about. Um, I think I mentioned this before that when I was reviewing a list of episodes of the season, there were a few that I just didn't remember at all. That's a mark of things that I didn't either connect with as much or didn't find memorable. Um, I think that any episode that I just straight up don't remember is probably uh, a, an issue. So I would say uh, Chuck versus the Fat Lady, which I believe is an episode that featured Jill. Um, I think some of the things I remember not liking about that episode were like the Fulcrum Agent didn't have a name or any personality. I thought that was a little disappointing. Um, otherwise, I don't remember a lot of the episode. Um, I think there were some, some disappointing, like, um, like the, the issues with, uh, Sarah and Jill, I think were a little bit, uh, iffy for me. I thought that was disappointing might not be the right word, but maybe like a little bit annoying. Um, and then I would say Chuck versus the Predator, um, mainly because I didn't remember that episode at all. Um, now that I'm like, now that I we have had a discussion about Chuck, I remember like that is the episode where they have like the Beverly Hills plotline that is the episode where we meet Orion. Um, I think that considering how important and exciting Orion is later in the season, I think that it's disappointing to me that his introduction was, at least for me, so forgettable. Obviously, we don't know at that point that that's Chuck's dad, so it's not as... Um, it's not as exciting as it is like later when we have that personal connection, but I think that... The Fat Lady and The Predator were both um, more forgettable for me. Also, I'd like to say that um, my film, The Fat Lady and The Predator, will be coming to Austin Film Festival in the year 2020. So keep an eye out for that. (laughs) Uh, What kind of genre is Fat Lady and The Predator? Uh, Any genre you want, Chris. I'm thinking Buddy Cop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, There are certainly elements of that. There are also some really twisted elements. So get ready. (laughs) There's also some kind of erotic elements. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, it's actually, so it's the fat lady from Harry Potter, like the portrait, and then also the predator from the um, the predator movies. The predator, yeah. Yes. Self-titled yeah. predator. So yeah. Um, keep an eye out for that. It's going to be huge. Get it I, on the ground floor. 
I I don't know how much goodwill you think you've built up with the Austin Film Festival people, <laughs> but I, I I don't know. I don't think they're gonna like that. I think they're gonna love it. Listen, <laughs> I'm the one who was there, Chris. I know what they like. <laughs> well, my I'm gonna keep my least favorite episode of the season short and simple, and it's gonna be for the opposite reason of yours. Okay. Yours was the like I don't remember these episodes, mm-hmm. therefore I must not like them. The episode that I choose, which is Chuck versus the Sensei, mm-hmm. I remembered specific. Like looking at the list, there are yes, yeah, some episodes I don't specifically remember as much. But then this one I came across, I was like, "Fuck that episode!" <laughs> like I feel like it was just a waste of time. Like you know, like it just like the whole like I like that it was a Casey centric episode, uh-huh. but it just was not interesting and it was boring and it was yeah like, i mean like the times. fight at the end of it was not very exciting no it was just was kind of disappointing and it comes right after the jill arc which yeah. is i think for me at least a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. and i just was like screw it i don't care i don't like chuck versus the sensei so okay that's well, my least favorite episode <laughs> cool thank you thank you thank you for that short but sweet so now we can move back into the scooter scale i believe um we can see if our uh, average rankings for the season actually align with our average rankings for the season, uh, according to Chris's graph. Um, Chris- what the what the uh, cutting edge AI that we have here at Go Check Yourself determined as our yes. scores versus what uh, us and our human brains determined. Great. So um, what I have written down is 4.5 corn dogs, which is... Really? Yeah, wow. very, very much above my uh, average ranking, according to your graph. Yeah. Um, hold on, I'm going to reread my notes. I'll, ju- I'll just read them. I'll just read them all out. So this is more structural, but I have been thinking a lot recently about how Chuck sets things up. I think it works best as a show, and maybe this is just something I like, but I think it works when things are set up in advance. Um, A good example of this last season would be, like, something along the lines of, like, Bryce, where we see in the first episode that, like, Bryce is important to Chuck, and then he becomes more important as the season goes along. Um, This season, that would really be, like, Orion. Um, I think that's something, like, we... We hear about Orion. We could have definitely heard about him earlier, but we hear about him like several episodes before we find out that that it's Chuck's dad. So we have like some um, connection to this character. We know who this character is and then it's more of a surprise. And like, it really worked for me that we find out that's Chuck's dad. Another thing would be like Sarah's relationship to her own father, which I believe we kind of see some of Sarah's like, we don't necessarily see Gary Cole until the episode that Gary Cole appears in. But we see some, like, things about Sarah's past, some things about, like, how it's not just her spy life that put her in this, like, not having a concrete identity. Like, I think, so then when we see Gary Cole, we kind of have a groundwork for that. And then we build on that as the season continues. I think Chuck really works and really works for me personally when it does that. I definitely felt surprised and pleased watching the show the first time. And there's definitely something to be said about that. Um, I think, like, you are when you are making a show like this like you wanna the first time around you want to surprise people you want to make people happy you want to do that but I think as a return viewer like watching this a couple years after I saw it the first time I felt a little bit of disappointment when I see I guess like you kind of see the strings or you kind of see like the work that's going into it I think that knowing where they are going I can see the elements that they are working towards and sometimes I feel like they could have established them much earlier 
um, an example of this from last season, like I know we talked about like if we had known from the introduction of Casey or close by that he had a crown Vic, like the episode with the crown Vic would mean a lot more Um, this season. I know I've already mentioned this, but Morgan's like dream to be a Benihana chef. I feel like I mentioned before that I would have liked that to be like something that we knew from, even if not the beginning of the show, like the beginning of the series. Um, I, like, I don't know exactly how TV writing works, but I feel like if they knew that they were going to end with that, I feel like they could have introduced it. Um, something that I think is a lot more egregious, at least for me, is like, I would have loved if from the beginning of season two, they were like, like pushing, like in the buy war, they were like, oh, we're selling these work products. Ah, oh, we're doing this. Like, I would have loved if we had like some basis for Rourke as a company and as a person, even if we weren't showing Chevy Chase, like if they had mentioned it, because I feel like some of the things I can believe that they didn't know they were building up towards, but things like this, like that's such an important part of the series and the season that I would have liked to see it from the beginning, as opposed to like the episode before it comes up. Again, watching it as a first-time viewer, that those weren't things that bothered me because it was just exciting. I didn't know where it was going. So I think like there is something to be said about that, and it might work for certain people that these things aren't introduced right away. But I think the main um, issue I had with the season, and maybe the reason it's not hitting a five, is like there are some things that I feel like we hear about them, the episode they come up, or the episode before they come up. Like We don't know about Rourke until the episode that Rourke appears in. And I feel like the things that work most for me are just the things that we've been building and we've heard mentioned and we've heard little things like, oh, Ryan, oh, like this, oh, whatever. And then it comes comes up and comes into fruition. And that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But I also like am coming into this as someone like right now, streaming things are a lot more popular than like weekly episodes. So I feel like it is hard as a viewer who isn't used to like watching things on a week by week basis like it's a lot harder to get someone to remember something you introduced in week one when you're like going to week 22 and that's like so far away so i understand why they're doing it yeah and then i just have like a much smaller note which is that matt bomber was under underutilized in this season his death was a little disappointing so um you know if you got matt bomber you gotta use him so 4.5 um it's I mean it's it's a pretty good score. I think I enjoyed this season overall when I look back on it. I think that there were um a lot of good things. I think like Sarah and Chuck's relationship, I've seen reviewers say this that it's hard to have a will they won't they that like works. And I've seen reviewers say that it's really impressive that um Chuck manages to maintain it. I like some people have said that they feel like here at the end, they're kind of scraping the barrel for reasons they can't be together. But I think that it has been pretty realistic and has been pretty fulfilling. I think it's nice to see Sarah like come into her emotional capacity and loving capacity and still have like the very, it feels realistic issues of like, she is a government employee and she doesn't have as much leeway to like leave that behind. Like I know I've mentioned before that like it doesn't really seem like Sarah's going to be able to choose to stay in LA with Chuck, which creates some interesting tension because Chuck obviously not understanding the CIA lifestyle, like thinks that she will be able to. So there have been some really solid episodes and some really solid themes. So 4.5. Awesome. Chris, what about you? 
Uh, <laughs> Comprehensive. I, uh, Make it as long as detailed <laughs> as what I just said. Uh, geez. Okay. Um, I would give it. Uh, I'd give it a four, which okay. is pretty close to, which is literally what my median score is yes. for the season, uh, and pretty close to what our average score was. I think that I, I enjoyed a lot of it. I think that sometimes I thinking back about like i don't know i think that what my tastes are now are definitely different than what my tastes were when i first viewed it which Mm -hmm. obviously i was i was you know 10 years younger when that was going on um but yeah i think that similar to what we had mentioned earlier about what josh schwartz said in the 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 bonus feature about being like it's all about chuck's emotional journey and if Mm -hmm. you can be emotionally invested with chuck like i think that for me when I rate episodes highly, it's because I'm feeling that emotional connection with it. And I think that's what I was what I was gravitating towards when I first viewed it and mm-hmm. what made me like a, a lifetime fan, I suppose. Yes. So but yeah, I think there's some things that it, like you said, like sometimes you, you get the impression that are like, well, are they is it deliberate that they're working? Are they thinking like it's this is a week to week thing that we shouldn't introduce things or is it like that people are coming into the writer's room and being like, what about this? What about Rourke instruments? Like, what if we do that like several weeks after that they could have introduced it earlier? Like if they had really, I'm sure that they plotted everything out ahead of time, but yeah, yeah, I think if they introduce certain things or certain threads like that, like you suggested, I think would be really interesting. Um, Sometimes there are episodes that feel kind of like, like I've called them throwaway episodes, but just episodes that don't feel like they're moving the, the grand plot further or the grand arc further mm-hmm. but sometimes you need those as like a break but i think yeah i think four out of five i would give it i wasn't i don't think this is like the perfect season of television or the perfect season of chuck by any means but mm-hmm. I, overall i think it was i enjoyed watching it and it was it was uh decently paced and decently structured and i had a good time yeah and I think there is, like, I was already kind of saying this, but I think there's something to be said. Like, I was reading a lot of reviews of this season that, like, were really on board with it and really thought that it, like, picked up the pace and picked up Chuck's character and picked up Sarah's character and all those things. So I think that there is something to be said that people watching this in the moment were so interested in this show. There is something to be said. And there's going to be something more to be said coming up very soon. I wanted to toss out a special go go chuck yourself. Uh, there's no. It's not Chuck Mary kill because there's no kill to this. It's just Chuck Mary. Okay. But I think on, <laughs> I think on the behalf of both of us that we, not that we want to marry you specifically, the listener, but I think we, Aaron and I both appreciate that the fact that like over the course of the season, like we have regular listeners and people that have been writing in and have been reaching out over Twitter and things like that. I think that's really awesome. And that's what this show is about is about like, you know, just Chuck enthusiasts and people who like Chuck. And I'm glad that people are liking what we're doing and it's resonating with you. And I hope that you continue to uh, listen to us as we move into season three. And uh, I guess what I'm saying is we'd like you to marry us. So, uh, Oh, yeah i don't think it's legal and i don't think it's practical so we won't actually marry you but aaron and i would marry you if that were the case listeners so thank you for listening yeah i think um it is really wonderful like we've said this but we mean it genuinely chris is about to finish his bottle of champagne have you finished it or do you have one more sip all right here he goes here he goes
I have not finished mine. Mine is still uh, half full. Um, I realized pretty early on in this episode that I could not uh, sustain drinking a full bottle of champagne on only drinking liquid today. But Chris has done it, and I'm very proud of him. I was about to say that we have... um, I know we have mentioned this in emailing back or tweeting back some of our uh, listeners that it really makes our day to hear from you. But it really, really does. When I see we have a new follower on Twitter, when someone tweets us, when someone uh, posts our IMDb keywords, or when someone emails us, like, it means so much. And it's so nice. Um, Even in the cases when you're dunking on us, it does mean a lot. It is so nice to hear that we have listeners who listen to us week to week. And even if you're not the type to write a review or send an email or send a tweet, which we do appreciate, but even if you're just listening week to week, that means so much to us. It's so nice to see that we know that the Chuck fandom is close knit and is like still, still really interested in Chuck, like even 11 years later. And it's like, it's great to see it. It's great to be a part of that. And we're happy um, to have this kind of, I don't know, to be a part of your world. Yeah, it's and I mean, we are, I would think like relative, we're outsiders or newcomers, yeah. at least to the Chuck fandom. Like I am a Chuck fan, but I did not know that there was like a community of people. So I think Aaron and I are not really a part of it necessarily. Like we're becoming part of it, but yeah. like we just appreciate people welcome because when we did the first season of this, we were we had recorded it and put it out and was like, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to this yeah. or whatever. Um, and then once season one kind of became a little bit more publicized and then we season two is a little bit more publicized and people actually like have been listening every week. It just, it's awesome because it is, yeah, it's just nice for, I don't know. I'm just glad that we like Chuck and you like Chuck and that's, that's all that matters. It's just people talking about Chuck. It's bringing a tear to my eye. Um, so what? It's so nice when, when my dad says, how's your podcast doing? And I can say, people listen to it. Please do this so I can tell my dad. Uh, <laughs> moving out of that, we're going to we're going to do season three. There's no there's no doubt about that. We're doing season three, Chuck. Moving forward, though, we do want kind of I don't know. Aaron and I have discussed it and we think that there is. You know, I think the thesis of the show, if you will, has changed every season. And the first season was just kind of being like, you know, the idea was like, does this really hold up? Like, do I still like Chuck? Mm-hmm. Does Aaron still like Chuck? Mm-hmm. Season two is kind of being like, well, it, it does kind of. But like, what's the gradient? Let's use the scooter scale. Yeah. The scooter scale. Um, <clears throat> Moving forward, we're still going to use the scooter scale. But I think something that I'm particularly interested in, and I think Aaron is as well, is like, you know, we got to try to be a little bit of uh, put our detective hats on and be like, why? Why, Chuck? Like, why are we doing this show? But specifically, like, why is there a fandom that exists even 11 now. years later? Yeah. Even now, like the show's not on the air. It's streaming, sure, in different capacities, but it doesn't really make sense to have the show still like this show had an effect on people. And I think what I'm really interested in is kind of just delving into that more and learning more about why that is. So I think moving forward, that's something that we're going to try to look at more. Yes. So also kind of stemming out of that with talking about listeners and listener engagement, something that Aaron and I have put together, which you'll see in the description for this episode is we put together a survey for listeners that we'd really appreciate if you are a regular listener to the show and you want to fill it out. Even if you're not a regular listener, that's fine. 
Um, it's just some quick questions about kind of like what you think of the show, what you'd like to see in the show, what you think about Chuck, and just to get a better feel about like what direction the show Go Chuck Yourself should go in moving forward. You know, we want to get your input. We want to make sure that this show is as interesting to the most number of people as it can be. And so that's something in mind. So if you have time, you know, you have a few minutes, maybe it's on the weekend or it's at nighttime or if it's at work and you're like me and you like doing non-work related <laughs> things at your desk, uh, then take, take our survey. Uh, it would really mean a lot to us. And then we will kind of review that feedback and uh, incorporate it into the new season. Yeah, we definitely want to um, give give back to our listeners as much as possible, see what you like, what you don't like, and what you want. Um, we do have some uh, maybe lofty goals for season three, which I don't want to uh, talk too much about until we have uh, accomplished them. But uh, it's more exciting than just us uh, drinking alcohol live on the air. Um, we're opening alcohol live on the air, as it were. Um, I am really excited about season three. Um, and in that spirit, I did want to talk about, I know we're talking about predictions for our season three, but I found some interesting information about, um, Chuck's planning for season three. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, something that this may not come as a surprise to you, Chris, or any of our listeners, but something that I found surprising was that Chuck appeared um, on a panel at Comic-Con uh, 2009 in San Diego. Um, I know we're talking about the immense popularity of Chuck, but um, I was surprised by that. I didn't really think of it as I I guess I wasn't really in the Comic-Con scene in 2009. But um, that's I don't know. It's interesting that it was there and that it had its own panel and seemed to be a pretty big deal. Um, something that I just want to touch on very briefly is that the panel opened with a Jeffster performance. They sing, they sang uh, Fat Bottom Girls. So you can uh, watch <laughs> that on YouTube or um, maybe I'll post it to the Twitter. But um, that's something. And in the second chorus, all of the cast and creators comes out. So that's really interesting. Um, but the thing that I did want to touch on, which I'm going to read directly from this article from IGN about some of the predictions, um, for season three that were coming around before season three happened. Um, so I'm going to read these, these two paragraphs and Chris, you can tell me what you think. Our audience can also tweet at us or email us and tell us what they think about this, but it's interesting to see. Um, with Captain Awesome now aware that Chuck is something of a spy, Schwartz said that in season three, Awesome will start to submerge into the spy world as well, and that he would not be as reluctant as he should be, given the danger he's facing. McPartland said he was really excited to be in the spy world. That's going to be great. But what about his new wife, Ellie, played by Sarah Lancaster? Lancaster joked, I suppose Morgan could tend to Ellie, as Joshua Gomez nodded in agreement. So that's paragraph one. <laughs> No, what? When someone asked if Casey might have more stories involving romance, Josh Schwartz said he'd always been amused by the idea of a storyline where Ellie and Awesome are on the rocks a little. Ellie is out in the courtyard and Casey is trimming his bonsai tree through the window. And there's a moment. I don't remember if either of these things happen. I don't either, but I will admit that that sounds I am curious about that. I do not support it, but I'm interested by the idea of it because it's so weird that I'm like, what? I read this whole like I um, admittedly, I believe it's available on YouTube, but I didn't watch the whole um, 2009 Comic-Con panel. 
But these are the two parts that stood out for me. I think it's really interesting how like Ellie's relationship with Awesome, they're just like, yeah, we can play with that. We could we could make her have feelings for these two other men. I guess we'll find out. That's I guess we definitely, will. That's interesting. I, I don't know about that. But what I do know about is that we have some exciting announcements to make heading into season do three. We? I relatively exciting. I mean, I don't know if anyone's still listening to this episode at this point, but <laughs> if they are, you're going to be pleased to know that in mid December, that's right. We're going to make a, a big announcement right here. We will be launching or releasing a special episode where we will be <laughs> giving the go check yourself treatment to one feature film. And that feature film is yes. Shazam! 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 I uh, I really want to watch Shazam, and I I don't want it to be for nothing. <laughs> so I'm gonna <laughs> watch it in the capacity of Go Chuck Yourself, and we're gonna put it out as a Go Chuck Yourself episode. Yes. And then following that in January, um, we're gonna put out a special episode that's dedicated and looks at the Save Chuck movement because if you look at it, the Save the Save Chuck campaign happened between season two and season three. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's only fitting that we take a moment and talk about the Save Chuck campaign yes. in between our season twos and season three. Also, fun fact, Aaron doesn't know this either, but I found the letter that I wrote to NBC Oh my god! during the Save Chuck movement. So I will be reading the entirety of that letter on air during our Save Chuck special. Oh my god, so, I can't wait. We tune into January. It's probably going to be early to mid-January that we put that out. We don't have an exact date, but stay tuned for that. And then in early February, we're going to be back at it with season three. Yes. Right after, right after the Super Bowl. Once you're done with the football season, get ready for Go Chuck Yourself. Yeah. And you know what? We won't even make you wear 3D glasses for it. So. Oh, yeah. That is what's coming up. So um, keep an eye out. We will not be um, entirely gone for the next two months. We will be working on truck-related content, and we will, as Chris said, be releasing some truck-related content. But we will return in full um, around February. Keep an eye on our Twitter for um, exact dates of when we will be releasing, and we'll probably mention um, some things in our uh, episodes that will be coming out. We'll probably have some further insight into the exact date but keep keep an eye on the feed we are not gone we are not hopefully forgotten we are still here much like uh i don't know me in the uh in the interest like it's moving into december i think december is a busy month for a lot of people so we are acknowledging that it's a busy month for us and we are going to uh be slowing down as our season you know in this break in between seasons but we do want to still keep uh we can't get enough of chuck so we're gonna keep doing chuck stuff yeah we're sorry that we can't be here to help you get through um interactions with your family maybe the uh aaron and chris versus shazam episode will uh be able to help you a little bit with that but we will be um interacting with our own families and uh completing our own uh holiday related tasks but Chuck will always be in our mind and always be in our hearts. So, <laughs> and you as well, the listener. That's right. And on that note, I uh, I would just like to present this empty bottle of champagne for oh, everyone you did to, so good. I don't to like, see in here. All right, look at mine. Tell me if I did. Did I do a good job? Yeah, you did a good job. I think that's all that can be it's expected. It's like half of, you. of it. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. It's I mean, it's later. It's later in Chris's day, admittedly. It's what, six, six fifteen for you? That's none of your business. 
So I still have like my full day to go about. I have to like clean and stuff. Well, I expect you to finish that bottle and then send me a picture of the empty bottle. Right, okay, I'll do that. So that I know that you finished. But I, I can't believe we're doing this, but we're putting the can, we're putting the wrap on season two. Season two is done. That's crazy. Let's move forward. Thank you for listening. My name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you, as always, that food is sexy. My name is Sarah Narada. I'm about to, uh, whatever Nicole Richie just said, go back on my lazy thing. Um, and I am letting you know that anything is possible. We'll see you soon for the Shazam special. Can't wait. Shazam! Shazam! I don't... Oh, he does actually say Shazam. I've seen Shazam and Chris hasn't. I just want to make that clear. I saw it opening day. Shazam! Shazam! Aaron does that all the time. Chris and, keeps uh, turning into Zachary Levi. Shazam! Oh my god, he's back as Chris now. So, yes. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon. Uh, yeah. Get ready for Shazam. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.